You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. So for more hot takes, you can go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. And when I tell you that I have like cute Instagrams, I do have cute Instagrams. If you noticed last night, well, actually, you probably won't notice from last night because it's been 24 hours and it's since expired. But this is what you missed. I was at Sir. I was at Pump, I was at Tom Tom, and I got really drunk, and it was a good time. And I woke up really hungover this morning, so I'm glad to be drinking again tonight with today's very lovely guests. Um, and I'm also excited because I officially have your go-to wine of the summer. Get ready, we're uh, it, we're having the ultimate night in together. We're gonna sip some wine, we're gonna watch some Housewives, and we're gonna spill lots of tea with my all-new limited edition summer rosé. Today I'm drinking the one that says. I'm ready to flip a table, and I'll tell you why very shortly. It's a very delicious summer rosé, light, crisp, organic, no sulfites, no sugar, because like I don't want you to be hungover and hurting tomorrow. So I'm calling it my housewives watching wine. I crafted it with my partners at Elix. It's delicious. You're going to love it. I can't wait until it's officially on sale. It's designed, inspired by the most iconic housewife moments in history. I know you're going to recognize all of them. Get ready on sale June 10th at nofilterwine.com. June 10th, nofilterwine.com. You can sign up for updates right now. Today, I have two very special guests that I know I'm just going to have lots of LOLs with. They love reality TV just as much as I do, and they were getting super hyped during this intro music, so I'm really excited to chat with them. They have opinions that are probably going to make you flip a table, but um, hopefully we won't be spilling our wine. We're still going to keep our, our drinks very handy. Please welcome the hosts of Table Flipping, Taylor Mishak and Alyssa Lippman. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank How? you so much for having us. I'm so excited. How are you ladies? We're so good. I'm so impressed that you have your own wine line and like how serendipitous that you have a table flipping wine. I know. I need to send you guys some. I, it's This is perfect for you guys. I'm ready to flip a table, which is so yeah. perfect for your, your podcast, which is called Table Flipping. I'm assuming inspired by Teresa Judice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about uh, women in reality TV. So not just Housewives, but like all reality TV, all old and new. Um, we just talk about messy, messy ladies. <laughs> I'm sorry. As I was listening to you say that my neighbor was getting naked in the window <laughs> and he's really hot. Like if I could show you guys this right now, you would wow. love it. Like I'm ready to flip this couch just to like get a piece. Of- oh, he saw me looking at he saw me looking at him and broadcasting this. He's <laughs> gonna tell the manager um but I listened to your podcast this morning I listened to your Brian Moylan interview so good you guys like he spills so much tea what you obviously have read the book his new book right yes he was like kind enough to send us a digital copy uh and it came out this past week like last Tuesday and it's so so good and in such detail and we were like oh we don't want you to like spoil anything from the book or whatever and he was like no honey ask me anything we're talking about everything and so he's just like this wealth of knowledge that has this such a generous attitude about it and it's also so so funny so it's like what a gift of a book 
gift of a book, gift of a guy. Like I've been listening to a lot of his interviews and he like doesn't hold back. And I love that. Like at one point in the interview, you're like, I don't know if we should be spoiling the book because we want people to read it. He's like, ask me anything. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> that was great. Um, he was like ready to chat for hours and he, I, I was also really impressed how he's handling his relationship with Erica Jane. Cause he yeah. co-wrote her book with her. Obviously she's going through some tough times. I think it seems like they're still friendly, but they're having a professional wall between them. And he seems to be being a good friend, but also doing his job well, which is very hard to do in that situation. And now she's talking about, or there've been rumors that she is preparing to write a tell all about her marriage to Tom Girardi. I mean, yeah. Oh, where does it stop with her? I love it so much. There is not one iota in her that like holds anything back in this crazy time. Like she's yeah. just doing everything and it's not very smart, I think. That's, I, my, that's yeah. my take on it. I also feel like there's a need for money. I mean, lawsuits are very expensive and she's getting hit from multiple sides. So, you know, do what you got to do to get a good lawyer, girl, because we need you on this franchise, I think. She's making a page. No, it's true. As much as I want to say I have morals, I'm going to buy her tell-all <laughs> no. book and I'm going to read every single page yeah. of it back cover to cover. Oh. I'll pre-order it. I'll pre-order it right now. Take all of my money, Erica Jane. I think that it's also hilarious. I would love to see any other moment in time where somebody has like part two of a memoir that's like, never mind. Because the first book is so kind and it speaks so highly of her relationship with Tom. It left me obsessing over Tom. I stand that relationship. When they announced their divorce, you could, Willis as my witness, I was like, really, really shook. You would have thought they were my parents or grandparents. <laughs> I don't know. But to make a tell-all where she's going to like drag Tom is <gasps> beyond. So since oh. you read the first book and obviously we saw she had a lot of like, um, she really admired and adored him on the show, but reading the book, because now I want to like listen to the audiobook back and just like take mm -hmm. notes now that we know how this all kind of turns up. Um, was, the, were you believing this narrative that she didn't know as much as you know she as people want to believe that she knows because of how highly she spoke of him in the book no i think erica is while i as i said earlier i think she's doing some dumb shit right now i think she's incredibly mm -hmm. intelligent I think that a lot of what she said about tom in the book may be true in terms of his role in her life and the role he played for her son that Tom really stepped in and really was very hands-on and loved being a stepfather to her kid and like was very generous in that way. So I think like all of that can still be true while he's still an incredibly evil criminal who was stealing money from people who very much deserved it. Uh, I don't believe that she didn't know. I just think that there is nothing in that woman's house that she doesn't fucking know, mm. right? I can buy th that she's the type of woman who's like, I'm married to a powerful man and I don't ask questions. I don't want to know the answers to. She seems yeah. like sort of street smart in that way. Like she yeah. could be a mob boss's wife. Well, for it, sure. wasn't that revealed in like this most recent episode yeah. of Beverly Hills where she's like, I was, you know, involved with like some sort of mob ties and a case and in witness protection or I don't know. She has the craziest stories. Here's where it gets off, though. I, I buy the I buy an alibi that's like, don't ask the questions you don't want to know the answers to. If it didn't involve the Erica Jane Project LLC, whatever the hell, like using the Erica Jane pop 
princess career as a way to like siphon money away from Tom is like such a red flag. If that part of the element, if that element didn't exist, I might be like, she's in the clear. She didn't know what was going on. She was busy, but like, she's so wrapped up in it and she would know where every cent of her career pop stuff is, is right. The only counter like argument I have to that last point is it's such a common thing for people in Los Angeles that are in entertainment or people in um, that are wealthy to not handle money personally, but to run mm-hmm. them through their companies. Like with me, anytime I collect a paycheck, it doesn't go into my personal bank account. It goes into my LLC. It's kind of just something your lawyers and your business managers have set up for you just, you know, to help you out business wise um, and financially Mm. that I'm pretty sure that was like a recommendation that Tom gave her. Okay. Okay. I'll tell her that. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, I'm really curious to see what she's actually going to say on Beverly Hills this season. Like I, yeah, I do think there's a sweet plea deal for her if she wants it. I think she'll jump at it. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're, she just seems like the way he laundered money. She doesn't seem like she was actually making decisions about how to rip people right. off. She wasn't like, let's go after the widows this week. Like, yeah. she, it wasn't that deliberate. And even with him, I think it I think he's a terrible person. And obviously there was no way he's innocent of any of this. And now he just suddenly has pretend amnesia and, you know, can't remember anything, um, which is a little too as convenient you as you do when you're a top lawyer here in Los <laughs> Angeles. Um so, yeah, I, he, I don't think, has any, like, shred of innocence other than he was probably scheming people and then the, the snowball just grew so big that now we see him getting caught because it finally collapsed. Right. Mm-hmm. What I'm loving and what Brian Moylan talks about in his book, which is, like, the Bravo wink, where, you know, you'll see a character or housewife say something and then they will edit in footage of the exact opposite happening. Yeah. I think there's this major Bravo wink moment happening with these early episodes pre the split and pre yeah. these hardcore headlines where they could not be more heavy handed with how well things are going with Tom and Erica. They're keeping in even the most innocuous random lines. She'll say about like, I'm loving having dinner with him every night. We're sitting down at the table and just talking and connecting. I'm loving it to he's feeling really stressed at work, but I, I, I only love him and my dog. Everybody else is not a major part of my life. Like Bravo is really weaving a wet, like teeing her up to fail. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did you catch the and I think this is the first time this has ever happened in Housewives history. But in the transition scene where they're taking us to her closet and they play, it's expensive to be me. And then she walks in and her her slide is her in that tight red leather dress. Like it just looks so bad, but it was so shady that I'm like living for the editors this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was so juicy. Okay, two things about Beverly Hills that I want to ask you guys about before we dive into all the other tea that made headlines this week. One is Ronald Richards. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he is a lawyer. Um, he tweet. He's been following this Erica Jane case with Tom Girardi, tweeting up a storm since the beginning of it. I've actually interviewed him on my show, and we had a, a fairly good. Um, I had a great I had a good experience interviewing him and he spilled a lot of like good insider information. He is now being um, approached by 
the court to look into Erica's assets and to kind of watch the show and take notes and track everything that she has on the show. And one of the points that he makes after the first episode is that she talks about going on Lexapro. So he's now saying that now her medical records are open to be dissected in court and they should have full access to them because she talked about having Lexapro on the show. What are your thoughts about her medical records now being pulled into the, the lawsuits potentially? Is that relevant? I don't think it's relevant if someone has to be on anti- antidepressants. Like, I also feel like that has shitty implications for people who are trying to destigmatize depression and take antidepressants and uh, like live a normal life. I don't want that to be tied into a reason why someone ripped off Indonesian burn victims. Like that yeah. just seems a bridge too far for me. I don't know what the rele like you said, I don't know what the relevance of accessing her medical records would be. It also feels a little bit like, you know, there's a difference between saying, hey, you're on a reality show. You've got to like share this part of your life and saying you're on a reality show. So you have no right to privacy regarding like your medical practices and treatment, like your private information. Like you still reserve the right to have private information, even if you're on a reality show and choosing to share bits and pieces of that. I don't think should make you lose the right to like publicly disclose to it just seems like it's taking it a step too far. But I also am not a lawyer. I wish I was so I can have this guy's job. If anything, it feels like a really cool assignment. It feels like it should be a defense for her. Like I was too depressed to manage to Mm. check in with the business side of what, you know, I don't, I'm not my husband's keeper. I was taking care of myself situation. I mean, and she could counter with that. I know her team is trying to be like, we don't want Ronald Richards a part of this case. He's like a Twitter stalker. Like we're good. (laughs) Um, But it, it is so interesting. And I later found out because after I had him on my show, then people were sending me articles he was apparently Russell Armstrong's lawyer who was oh, no. Taylor Armstrong's husband. Yes. And around the time Taylor was splitting from Russell because of all the domestic violence allegations that were coming out and Russell committed suicide. Then Ronald Richards was going and giving interviews to um, TMZ and talking about how absent of a mother Taylor was and like, you know, how Oof. good of a, a father Russell was. Like it was interesting to see him still kind of a a part of this Beverly Hills world that he's been seemingly a part of for a really long time. Um, I found that an interesting bit of information. Yeah. I was looking at an article about him and I was like, Oh, this guy wants to be a star. Like you're reaching for that Lexapro argument. Yeah. I don't know. And anyone who's like willingly going to talk to TMZ, I'm like, all right, I'm a little suspicious of what your actual motives are here. Especially Mm -hmm. because TMZ for the most part doesn't just look for a celebrity's lawyer. Like they don't Mm -hmm. happen to like run across you on the street, you know, like you're Lindsay Lohan coming out of a coffee shop, which even then is arguable that we always seem to find certain people in, you know, certain locations. But TMZ gets tipped off. They know where to be. They know where to schedule an impromptu interview of you walking out like Adrian Maloof when she would always be giving interviews to TMZ and yet she would have her her Zing vodka on hand as she's walking down the street. It's like, why are you walking with a bottle of Zing vodka down Robertson? (laughs) Like, what is happening? Why aren't you? Why, why aren't you? Is the why I think we? that's the new wine marketing plan is just to walk. Yeah. Just I'm just going to walk. Like yeah, exactly. Pimp out my wine <laughs> everywhere I go. Um, 
Sutton and Crystal got in a heated argument at the end of the second episode of the new season of Beverly Hills. What did you think about their impeding beef? And what do you think is going to come between the two of them throughout the season? Alyssa. Bad. It was bad. I I really, from the clips, I thought it was going to be a little bit more, you know, both sides. But Sutton, I mean... When sorry, this is hard, hard to say, but when she first got on the show, I was like, she seems like she might be an ist. She might be a racist or a classist or something because of her background. I'm willing to give her a shot. But like, it really seems like her upbringing might have make some blinders and some tough situations. And that's how I feel about this conversation, like telling a woman who two white women validating each other that they're not racist is a problem. Um, we saw Lisa Vanderpump try to do that with her own cast when they were having an issue with racism, being like, I've never seen them act that way. It's not really for you to say. And then when a woman of color speaks up, you at least have to listen to their point. You can't shut it down. I mean, I, I the only thing I will say is that they had been drinking quite a bit. So I hope she regrets handling it that way. And it might have been just a drunk mistake. But like, I don't know. That was a bad move on her part. It was a yeah, bad huge I'm, flag on the play. Huge. Yeah. Didn't make any sense for her to even she started it by going, no, no, I'm not going to do this. And I was like, oh, everybody was having actually a really calm and and fine conversation. And I think Crystal has the burden that so many women of color on The Real Housewives do of having to fucking teach a lot of these white women what this pers- what their perspective is and and to take a moment to think about being in someone else's shoes who has a different skin color. And it's so crazy that Crystal said just the, the kindest and most honest and not uh, accusatory like statement of saying, sometimes it is hard to not uh, ha- let the pain affect you of somebody ignoring the fact that you are, uh, you look different, you are different. And for Sutton to dive in and go, I'm not doing this immediately. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad, bad, bad. And I imagine to answer your question about what the future holds, I think Crystal is probably going to continue to be an absolute queen in this situation while Sutton is going to be as defensive as she's already started. I just see it going, them continuing to go in opposite directions which sucks because i didn't want that to be a big part of crystal's first season i think that's unfair and shitty i would rather her like get in a fight about the fucking necklace or some random shit but here we are i think my interpretation of what happened in that scene is sutton had realized that they had been drinking and then she's like holy shit race is coming up i'm probably gonna be put in the hot seat because i have lots of opinions about it which you can tell sutton has lots of which whether she should be voicing those opinions is another conversation um and then i think her she just was like shit my now i have to actually address it and crystal i think was very poised and she wasn't like nasty to her considering Sutton was just like no we're gonna shut this down um and I think Sutton's gonna continue to really squirm throughout the rest of the season with Crystal and I think she's gonna swir- squirm throughout the rest of the season with Erica because she from what I hear is the only one that's really pushing questions about Tom and what mm-hmm. Erica actually knew and if Erica's telling the truth or not I just can't mm. believe that Sutton would in this moment in history that we're living through compare being stereotyped as a person of color to being stereotyped as a redneck. Like, are we 
Have you read literally any book, news article, podcast, anything? Like, pick, listen to the 1619 Project. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you can be so tone deaf at this moment. It's insane. It's also crazy to see Crystal not engage in a fight where she starts labeling Sutton. She just asks her questions and yeah. it gets Sutton so fucking riled up. It's amazing. Like to see her go, oh, so from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're someone who says I don't see color. Is that is that something that you identify with? Is that what you're about to say? And Sutton's getting like all fucking riled up. And it's like, she's not calling you a name. She's asking you a question, Sutton, and you know you're in the wrong. It's crazy. And she posted an apology, yes, that yeah. seemed very much written by somebody other than Sutton. Let me tell you, uh, pretty pretty generic looking apology. But well, Kristen and Jax Taylor both came out and said that when these apologies are issued, the talent's not actually writing it; it's Bravo yeah. executives that are the ones that are putting it all together. So I guess the bigger question is now that Sutton issued her apology and Crystal publicly issued her response to Sutton's apology, which conveniently just came out like right after the episode back to back. Um, do you think that this is a genuine olive branch between the two of them? Or is this we need to make nice for the sake of our jobs? I mean, I don't think Sutton's changed her opinion. Yeah. Like you don't get such bad opinions like overnight and nobody's ever pushed back on that and made you think twice about like what you're saying. I think that's really how she feels. I think she really is like sick of talking about this shit. And like, what about me? And I think, you know, both of them are new and they want to keep their jobs. And I just don't believe for one second she's done any reflecting. Yeah, I second that. I do. I do. It's hard. I also I want to see more of the season to see where their relationship goes. Again, my theory is that it crashes and burns, but it's really hard for me to believe that, you know, Crystal would be in a genuine place of wanting to like accept her apology and like make things right with her, but that she sort of has to play that Bravo game as you put it. And yeah, wants to keep her job probably. And like set a good example. It's interesting know, because sucks. everybody was like, raving at the fact that Sutton got a diamond and everyone was so excited about Sutton getting a diamond this season. And I don't know if she's going, I mean, and I've heard rumblings of what's going happened over the months that they were filming and some of the drama and tea. And I said it like when I was hearing, you know, certain things with my own ties to production, I was like, I don't, think this is going to be a good season for Sutton. But then there would be a headline that Sutton is questioning Erica, Eric, whether or not Erica's guilty or innocent. And then everyone was like, yeah, Sutton. And I'm like, I wonder if all those Sutton stands are really still big Sutton stands now that we see that this is the storyline between Sutton and Crystal that's going to continue to unfold because they just did watch what happens live last week and they weren't friendly towards each other. How are you going to be a Sutton stan? Tell I, me one see, reason to be a Sutton stan. See, I like Sutton, but I also am like, you have to know when to back away. Whether Even when you like a housewife, you have to be like, this is just one thing I can't back you up on. Yeah. Of course. I just think that I, first of all, I think, I, was it Alyssa? Did you 
say that you have the theory about the second season for yeah. Housewives that that's like the test or does everybody know that's just like what we all know I feel like we so talked about how that's a general thing yeah it's yeah it's just like that's the time that you really get your fucking feet put to the fire and it is tough in this situation for Sutton where her first season she was technically like a glorified friend of mm-hmm. and now she does have her diamond and she is going to be put to the test and I do think that she in general aside from a lot of like bigger issues I have with her she does get frazzled um and if you're getting too frazzled too quick you're not going to be able to hold your own and it I I just like don't know how long this is gonna last let the mouse go crystal let the mouse go Real Housewives of Potomac, the trailer has dropped on a scale of one to 10. How excited are you, Alyssa? Ooh, um, I'm, I'll say an eight an because eight. I feel like the previous seasons we've had such strong storylines. Um, and I'm not sure if this trailer is all smoke and mirrors. It was very stylized. I feel like we weren't getting a lot of concrete information. I'm always wary of trailers that either have all the good jokes in them. And then I'm like, well, there's probably nothing left in the movie or don't really seem to make a lot of sense. And they're like, you'll see. And it's like, will we see? Cause you might have nothing. Um, but I do love Potomac. I think it's one of the best franchises on TV right now. So I have high hopes for, especially how fucked up Michael Darby is as a person. Oh my God. Michael Darby is what keeps me up at night. Cause he's the monster in my closet. Yeah. And we're all just <laughs> waiting for him to come out. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor, how are you feeling about it? I am always more excited about trailers than Alyssa is because she is smarter than me and they just <laughs> get me so riled up. Uh, speaking of the second season test, I think we're going to see that with Wendy and I think she's going to deliver. I think that they've already shared so much about their home and their family. And I think if they're being like put to certain tests and they're opening up to the audience about that. I, I want to see it. I'm here for it. Um, I, I do question where the Darby drama has gotten so big and gone so far. Like what stone has, has not been turned in that we're finding him in bed with other women. We have pictures of him in his underwear. He's going to strip clubs. He's, still somehow having a bunch of babies. He is grabbing butts and dicks left and right. So there's a little bit of, I fear, kind of like what Alyssa was saying, that there's going to be some steam lost. And then in this particular instance, I'm worried it'll just leave me sad. If there is less of a shock factor and less like actual crazy events, and I'm just going to be a fly on the wall for Ashley's second pregnancy with this scary monster in your, and I think all of our closets, it will maybe just be a bummer, but hopefully not. Well, we didn't really see Ashley in the trailer. All we got were her <gasps> reaction faces that we get every season that like there wasn't, we didn't really see much of a storyline other than she mm-hmm. has a bait, another baby. I mean, and she she's said, crying in a selfie yeah. video. She's like, hey, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm like, what, what part? So yeah. that again, cause I love trailers. <laughs> I feel like she she said that she can't imagine herself having sex. And so I don't know. There's something interesting about how she gave him a pass last season because they had sort of a semi open relationship, it seems. And she has really put her foot down and drawn a line and uh, drawn a line in the sand. And I 
am rooting for her to get to a breaking point and leave him. And that's like the main reason I'm still watching yeah. Potomac because I actually really like her very much as a housewife. I think she's excellent on the show. And I feel so sad for her because she has a very difficult relationship with her dad. Um, I can identify with that. I think it bleeds into your um, love life. And there's a lot of psychiatry behind that. And so I feel for her and I want her to stand up for herself, even though she had two kids with this guy. She can have a better life without him. That's how I feel. Yeah, she doesn't need Michael. Nobody needs no. Michael Darby. Like he can no. go and like jerk off to Juan Dixon in the corner by himself <laughs> yeah. and be done with that. Yeah. Like I'm good. I can live without not having to see another scene with Michael Darby ever again. Like Ashley yeah. would be a great single housewife without a man. Mm-hmm. She would have her babies and she would still bring so much to the show. I'm excited to see Giselle finally get put in the hot seat. Like that's I want to see her get grilled by somebody like Wendy that's really just going to lay into her and be like, you're a snake. You spread rumors. You like to gossip. And now it's time that you get the reckoning. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she has the one of the more polished, uh, like presentational sort of vibes on that show, at least in the latest seasons, and also has that sort of like Lisa Rinna pot stirrer vibe going on. And I agree. I think it would be very nice to get her put in the hot seat, especially with this crazy ass relationship. Like, my God, if you really do want to be the person with like the perfect life and you like do not get back together with the fucking church leader sex addict guy, like, and you can't do that and think it's not going to be a major part of the show. Were you heartbroken to see that they finally announced that they've they've <laughs> split? Like, were you expecting this to go the long haul? No, I was so happy. It made me so happy. But I'm like, you're not going to come to me and say that it was like a really wonderful, we came to this decision together and everything is good and everything is peaceful. Like, she makes a big effort to make things seem good. And they yeah. couldn't possibly be like, be, you got to be real about this. I think she's one of the funniest housewives. I love her presence on the show, but I agree with you that I think she is not sharing as much honestly as some of her castmates are. Are you excited for Mia? Yes. We learned so much more about Mia in that trailer than we've learned about Ebony in the past four or five episodes we've gotten on <laughs> New York so far. I'm like, what is going like? How did they give us her entire backstory? So coming into episode one, we know who this is and we're ready to play. And yet we're still like, I'm still trying to figure out who Ebony is and where she came from and like what she's really going to bring to the show. I feel like Ebony's being treated like the racism fairy godmother a little bit where Mm. she's like, hi, I'm here, Ramona Singer, to make you feel okay about your problematic comments. (laughs) And like, I hope we can just push past that and actually get into her life and get a storyline actually going for her that doesn't have to do with that. And same for Crystal. It's a little... It's like we talked about this on our pod, too, where it's like, I'm glad Bravo's, you know, making this more diverse. But at the same time, it can't just be so they get a pat on the back and like some woman of color is here to tell all these rich white women why they're problematic. Like, right. that's not fair to them. That's, exactly. It's not fair to anyone. It's not fair to the audience because the audience isn't that dumb. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think about? I know this wasn't in our, our initial notes, but so there is casting rumors that there is this new guy, Ryan, that has been cast on Vanderpump Rules. And so Vanderpump Rules last year went through the whole racism scandal. We had the tweets with Max and Brett. We had Stassi, Kristen. Then we had Jax and Brittany who exited the show. Um, And so now they've introduced another 
straight white guy as the latest addition to Vanderpump Rules. And there is no inkling of any diversity joining the cast. That is absolutely unforgivable. I think that's bonkers. I think that I am like, what universe are you living in where that's the move that you make? Right? I think that show's about to get canceled. I think it's This is him. He's a he's a cutie. He's got muscles. He's, you know. Yeah, I don't even want to knock very basic looking Ryan. I don't want to <laughs> knock him. This is not about basic Ryan. It's about Ryan being basic. And that's not Ryan's fault. But it certainly feels like there's I a mean, very clear this request. This is basic AF right here. Total douche boy. Wow. You know, he's, he's going to. cute, though. He's he looks cute. like every straight guy I went to musical theater college with yeah. that, like, got way too much got laid way too much because they were the only straight guy who was cute, but like their numbers were off. And then it gives them this like really a skewed sense of confidence yeah. going into the world. And then they could post pictures like that and then join Vanderpump rules. No. Like that's crazy. Ryan is the guy that'll finger bang you in the bathroom, text you that he loves you and he wants you to meet your, his mom this weekend. And then tomorrow just ghosts you and doesn't text you back because he said, you're crazy that he invited you to see his mom this weekend. <laughs> Which and is retro Vanderpump. That's yes. vintage Vanderpump. And do we, and it was of a time and it's yeah. fucking done. dude. Like, time. and, and if you are going to have Ryan beef up the rest of the cast with a bunch of different people who all look different and sound different and have different fucking attitudes and Instagram posts that are not as basic. I agree. I will say I've never been attracted to any of the cast members of Vanderpump Rules, even though like some of them are objectively good looking and some people find them attractive. Not for me. He's cute. <laughs> like, I, actually, I think he's cute. I actually Shut agree up. with that entire statement. I agree with that 100. Like, I, I had to stop and think. But I was like, have I really thought any of them were really cute? And I was like, but I would fuck Ryan. Yeah. Like, I'd let him hurt my feelings. Like, no problem. <laughs> I get it. And you he know? would hurt so, your feelings repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but let's just like round out the rest of the cast. I'm not against having hot guys that I would misguidedly hook up with on the show. I think that is what the show should be at its core. I don't want to see like all these babies running around and people being sober. Uh, But, you know, let's do a better job. There's no reason he has to be white and cute. I agree. Is he the only new cast member? Yeah, we could have made Ryan Blake the laddie. (laughs) We could have made him like a friend, not even a friend of, but like the dude that like enters in that like is wrecking. I didn't even know whose relationship he would wreck. I mean, I think the only single one right now is is Charlie. Yeah. Everyone Uh, else is married or has a baby. Like, it's just so, but there's not a person of color. There's not a new person. in. like, at first I thought he was gay. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that's why we're introducing him to bring in like some sort of diversity with the LGBTQ community because they, you know, talk about pride every season and they're in West Hollywood. But no, he's straighter than, you know, he would fuck you and then your mom. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe everybody else they offered it to said no. And Ryan was like the 100th person. And he was just like, sure. Like, that's well, why giving think- the producers the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Every person of color said no. And they're like, we just can't find a we person of no color option. to be on this show. I mean, Los Angeles. <laughs> Everything they, where everybody was like, no, we're not fixing Vanderpump. It should stop. And then Ryan, like, just didn't get the memo and just showed up and <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you know. Would he, though? Would he be the type that gets the memo? <laughs> Like he would be like, mom, this is a great opportunity. I can't. He's, yeah. he's 
an actor <laughs> in LA. I can't wait for you to meet this girl I finger banged in right. the bathroom last weekend, mom. <laughs> uh, and he, so shocking. he's an actor in LA and he also starred in MTV's Are You the One? And I oh. saw a clip of Are You the One with him in it this morning. And it is very vintage Vanderpump rules. Like that's the energy that he brings to it. Like a not softer, the bi, not the inclusive. Are you the one season? Just the regular hetero season. Yes, it was the regular the hetero season. This was like a long time ago. It wasn't. A, I don't think this was a recent season that he did. This was a while back before like okay. people were comfortable with diversity. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he's still he's still learning. <laughs> he's gonna talk to <laughs> he's gonna talk to Stassi's coach. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just so like he's and the hard part is like he's not a bad looking guy. Like I feel like we're shitting, no. but it just and it's not his fault. It's really productive. And my biggest yes. issue is it's like you caused this big old storm and fired half the cast and made this big statement and we're trying to be bold and brought Portia Williams in to have a conversation about race in America on Bravo and. Now this is what you give us this half-assed package of like uh, it's hard because I'm I want to like Vanderpump Rules and I want them to give yeah. us something and now I'm just like what are we doing you guys yeah absolutely. big letdown but Ryan if you are considering being bi curious and you want to go <laughs> off Vanderpump Rules and come into my pants slide into my yeah. DMs <laughs> he's cute he's successful free wine yeah yeah, yeah. um. Speaking of cute and successful, A-Rod and Madison LaCroix are back at it again in the news. Back at it again with the white vans. So J-Lo and A-Rod have split, which we all saw coming. I didn't believe when they were like, we're working on things. We're going to therapy. (laughs) I knew their relationship was already over at that point, and they were just trying to make it look like it wasn't about Madison. Now we find out it's all about Madison. And so now there are rumors that... um, an anonymous source, a.k.a. Madison, leaked to the press that A-Rod was trying to talk to hit up Madison again. Do you believe that after J-Lo, he would be running back to Madison? Taylor, how are you feeling? I was watching golf this past weekend, and mm. I don't watch golf. Mm. And I remember hearing that it was in South Carolina, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Did not know that. And so then... It's and it was a, apparently a big deal golf thing. Don't know what it was. PGA Masters, something where you get a jacket or a trophy. I don't know, but the idea that A Rod was there makes sense to me, and the idea of him being in South Carolina and saying this is close to Madison, I'll like send her a message. I do buy that. I mm. don't buy like him making a huge effort and like thinking of it organically on his own, but I can see a dumb straight dude just like following where his dick points and seeing like the closest thing within a so many mile radius and Madison being there. Uh that is so I I buy it but only because of the it was like handed to him on a silver platter because that's I think guys like that is that's how things work. Also, great PR for Madison to be mentioned in the same sentence as A Rod. So, do I think they're going to have some big romance? Like, no. I think you're right. I think Madison is the source, and she seems fine with just not answering about rumors because she knows it's all all press is good press. So, he's probably she's probably in his rotation, but that's about it. 
he he's the type of guy that knows like oh i'm going to atlanta for the weekend i already know yeah. my hoes in atlanta i already know like he's that type of guy where he has her saved as like mad atlanta girl like he's that <laughs> yeah. douchebag um and so i feel like that's but there was another anonymous source that then said <laughs> madison can't be bothered by a rod her life is too good like it was like a total like the quotes so were so stupid. the quotes were so bad. They were like, Madison can't be bothered. She's so over that, according to an Here's what story. I will say. If I'm Madison and I have this publicist that's like, we're just gonna leak these headlines, honey. And I'm like, great, do whatever you need to do. I also, if there is any truth to this A-Rod situation, I would call me crazy, never hook up with him. I think supposedly there's been some like sexting that's happened or virtual or FaceTiming or Snapchatting. I don't know what the kids are doing these days, but it's haven't they not technically hooked up? Like keep not hooking up with him. Keep their element of mystery play. It's hard to possibly get so that you don't hook up with him and then never hear from him again. I feel right? like at this point, she should just hook up with him. Like, it's been so played out that, like, at this point, just hook up with him and know he's never going to call you again and be like, I'm good. And hope you get pregnant and then you have A-Rod's baby. And then you're set mm. with child support. Yeah. Mm. I also A-Rod's baby on Southern Charm. I'm here for that. That mm-hmm. sounds more interesting than all the Vanderpump babies combined. Thank it's better than Thomas Ravenel's baby. Uh-huh. I yeah. loved, though, that A-Rod's publicist then responded in the press and they start the statement off with i don't know who would benefit from starting these rumors but they're not true like the shade in that first sentence was just (laughs) everything i needed it was the editor's plane it's expensive to be me (laughs) so good cute Alyssa. any closing thoughts about a rod and madison I think this is like played itself out and I'm a little bit sick of it. It was shocking when we first revealed it on the reunion, but like, let's move on to something else. Yeah. Thank you. Next. He's not, he's never going to him and Kristen Cavallari will never appear on Southern charm. Let's stop trying to make that happen guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did any of you catch the friends reunion on HBO max? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I just, okay. So I've actually worked for a writer who used to show run friends and I've watched the first half of the special. And the scene that I ended on was him pitching a joke at a tape night. And then they showed the scene of the joke that he pitched. And I was like, so excited to see that. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's fabulous. And I was, I was crying. Well, how do you feel about it? I was underwhelmed. No, I'm setting the opposite. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. I, Some of it is weird for sure. For sure. I mean, it's not even that it's weird. Like it was cute and it was nostalgic. And I think if you were a Friends fan, you would appreciate the nostalgia of it. Right. But my my perspective comes from like, y'all were paid $4 million to show up to this thing. And not one of you gave us any tea, any, you know, Matthew Perry got a blow job from Reese Witherspoon in the back room, or we secretly hooked up. Like we had nothing, the most they gave us, like the two things that I found the most fascinating in terms of like new information was that Mm -hmm. Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer had a crush on each other, which wasn't that groundbreaking. I think we all kind of suspected it because the chemistry was really strong. And then the second part that I found fascinating was just Matthew Perry's face. Like it was just all 
it was like way too fresh Botox that didn't settle. And then he had, he had veneers put in that also just didn't set. Like it was none of it settled yet. And his face, because he doesn't have much of like a neck anymore. It just looked like one big ball sack with just one ball in it. And it was just round and saggy. And I felt so bad for him. Who do you think looks the best on the cast and the worst? It's interesting because I did think about that uh, as I was watching it. <laughs> Surprisingly, I think Courtney Cox looks the best, but okay. I'm thinking it's she only looks the best because she looks the most artificial. Right. Whereas the others have naturally aged. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the worst, it's a toss up between uh, Matt LeBlanc and Matthew Perry. Yeah, I I actually thought Lisa Kudrow looked really beautiful. And I think that, you know, I don't think she's done as much work as Jen and Courtney. And I I think that's really a difficult choice to make as a as an older actress in Hollywood. Um, And I think Courtney looks much better now that she's got quite a bit of her fillers dissolved. I remember that was like a big deal a few years ago when she was like, nobody told me I looked like a cat and everyone around me was just telling me I looked beautiful. So I appreciate hearing that. (laughs) Uh, Matt LeBlanc is like hot no matter how overweight he is. Really? I just think he's hot. I don't know. Like he looks terrible, but Matthew Perry looks sad, terrible. So I think Matthew Perry wins the worst. But I feel bad for him because it's like he struggled with sobriety for so long and to have rumors based on another performance of something that he did, like bring that back up when I really thought that he just had too much work done to his face and his yeah. mouth. And it didn't it didn't settle. It was too it was it was too fresh. Yeah. Like I think in a couple weeks or even a couple months, it'll settle and he won't look as waxy. Um yeah. but yeah, it was bad. I think David Schwimmer actually looked good considering he naturally like has aged but still looked like good. Um It's so funny because there's kind of like a debate. So I'm a TV writer and there's a debate between uh, on friends, like part of the issues that they used to have with the cast is that like Schwimmer would say to the news that like they make up the jokes on set, you know, like the actors are coming up with it off the top of their head. And then obviously that's an insult to the writers and you watch the show and they're uniquely talented. Like they're hot and they're also so good at selling every single joke, whether the jokes are brilliant or like very basic, you know? And I think that's why the show works. But then you take away the writing and you watch them like answer on their own. And it's like, guys, uh, I don't know how much credit you want to be taking for all the jokes. Cause like you said, it was like a little bit weird at times because there were no, there was no scripts. They were just kind of like, they They had a premise and then they were reacting. Yeah, they didn't know what to do. I mean, I think even James Corden, who I expected to like really have a great interview with them. Like he was a little underwhelming as well. Like, again, I think it's cute. I just was expecting for the $4 million paycheck for them to come up with some, like the fact that Matthew Perry's drug and alcohol usage was never even part of the con. Like, and I understand we want to be respectful to it, but that it's like, it was such a known thing that if we're going to do a reunion and kind of like fresh Prince, I thought did a great reunion because they talked about race in America. They talked about, you know, the show airing then and what it would be like to air. Now they talked about the death of the dad. They, they brought in old aunt Viv, like the original aunt Viv into the, having a confrontation with Will Smith. Like it was just, it was very well, done and we had the nostalgia and we had them all in the house together for the first time um 
that I just feel like they the actors themselves didn't deliver. I think production and HBO Max and even James Corden did the best they could, but the actors just didn't give them much and they didn't give us much in return either. I wish they would have just kept the format. It was like a mix of three things. So they did a live studio audience with James Corden. They did them back on the old soundstage, just themselves answering questions. And then they did like weird sketches where they had to answer questions sort of based on the show. And I think if they had just kept it them on the set with nobody else, sort of like a Hollywood reporter roundtable, that would have been the most intimate, best way to get that kind of information. And yeah. that's what made me emotional. And them realizing like what a special thing that they had been yeah. a part of. That made me feel really connected to the show again. But everything else, I was like, what's going on? Why are we talking to someone who said it's their title card says they're in Mexico, but they're standing in front of the Hollywood sign? Like, I don't get it. Yes. That, yeah. And and even like we brought back old characters like Janice and like, but we didn't hear anything other than I'm here. This is me now. It was a great yeah. time in my life. And then they or they exit the scene. Yeah. But like, I just think there was a lot more we could have really done with it. And I expected a lot more. And I think you're right. Had it been a Hollywood reporter style, which is what I was expecting. I thought they were going to yeah. be like at Courtney Cox's home, a really intimate setting, reminiscing and giving us, you know, like good behind the scenes stories, even if they weren't salacious or gossipy, just getting to hear like the behind the scenes stories would have really been, I think, refreshing for fans. I also and obviously I'm very biased, but like anytime anyone, you know, any I, I went to film school in college and when my friends heard that I was working for a friends writer, they just wanted to hear like how they came up with all the ideas and if the stories were real. And I wish they would have done more of that. I would have loved to see some of the writers outside of uh, Marta and all of those guys, the, just the creators they had. I mean, I love seeing like old writers room footage. Yeah. Like it's it's such a different it, it seems like such a magical time. And we're so familiar with what they look like now and we're familiar with the set. I would have liked to see more behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I really appreciated the scenes that showed like when they would cat, they would show scenes of them retaking certain scenes because you see them kind of like you see the behind the scenes of yeah. that iconic scene and you see them having to reshoot it a couple of times and you see them, you know, breaking that fourth wall and you see Paul Rudd right there filming their final scene. You know, it's yeah. like it was those were the cute moments that I think I really appreciated. Yeah, for sure. But oh, wow. I did not watch it. And really? I, I thought... think it sounds like, well, you know, what's funny. I, I love friends, but yeah. I, I do not love it as much as I, a lot of people in my life love it. I'll Same. say that. And so I was aware of this reunion, but not enough to know it even literally was available to watch yet. Like I thought it was in the works still. And it sounds like from what you guys are saying, truly until right before we started recording and you're like, we're going to talk about the friends reunion. And I was like, how, uh, um, <laughs> It sounds like it's too little too early, in my opinion. Like, I think they could have waited a little bit longer to do this reunion. No, I know it's been a long time, yeah. but the cast is still Alyssa's going Matthew Perry. We don't know how he's doing. <laughs> we don't know but, how he's going to stick no. around. I, I mean, I think ended, you could have waited. It ended 17 years ago, right? Yeah. Wait till 20. Okay. We could have done a 25 year reunion. 25. Yeah. Make it more, it, then it makes it even more sentimental. Only like, because but, the writers or the 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 executive producers, the creators, 
they were so like persistent in saying there will never be another episode of Friends or a Friends movie yeah. because we don't want to tarnish what was. And I feel like this kind of built, I guess because it also has been building up in the press for a year or over yeah. a year now that like, I just, I don't know. It felt a little flat for me aside from like those cute moments, but I know a lot of fans really enjoyed it. Yeah, I uh, I feel like they could have <laughs> they could have given us a lot more for sure. And I feel like there's some animosity behind the scenes that they're like not bringing up. And it would have been interesting to actually talk that out. But I mean, they could have brought up the time when they like held the show hostage because each of them wanted a million dollars an episode. You know, <laughs> like yes, that's what I wanted so, to see was the behind the scenes of the mechanics of the show. You know, yeah. I don't need to see them doing friends trivia with these random, you know, hand models. I know. <laughs> exactly. You, okay. To close out the show, I want to do a round of shady rapid fire. Are you both ready? Yes. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, how do you think, how shady do you think Heather Holla Thompson actually is? 10? 10 you think she's really shady she's yeah trying to play, like, i think she's thirsty and the only way she can get attention is with shade i think like a six or a seven i think she is thirsty af but i think she's like <laughs> in these moments where she's copying shady i think she d- is just throwing anything to the wall and seeing what sticks okay that's fair do you think every encounter with Luann was truly disingenuous or do you think that there's a little bit of heart in Luann? I think there's a lot of bit of heart in Luann and that this woman maybe doesn't know what the word disingenuous means. I also think Heather's disingenuous. I, I think <laughs> Luann can be very sincere. I get why people would be off put by her like sort of faux judginess. But when you get to when you see her with people she really cares about, she's genuine. No, no judgments, no slut shaming. But what do you think Ramona's freak number is in bed? In the 30s? Really? Wait, what's the scale we're grading? One to ten. Was, oh, wait. Oh, freak number. Like a qua- you're asking about quality over quantity. Yeah. She's at, she thinks you asked how many guys has she fucked? Oh, definitely over 30. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Her freak number. That's a di- here's the thing. People talk about how much Ramona likes getting laid, and I I buy it. I don't think she's a freak, though. That woman starfishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian Moylan said on our pod, which I totally agree about, and I never thought about it this way before. She, he said she definitely fucked Mario. Yeah, Mario over the pandemic. And she's the type of girl who likes to have sex, but doesn't like to increase her number. And I was like, I've never thought about that because I don't care about that. <laughs> but that's totally Ramona. So maybe she keeps mm-hmm. it spicy with her, like, same rotation of guys that are acceptable. Mm. How much do you think we're going to get from Kathy Hilton this season? Do you think she's going to be a knockout or do you think she's going to totally like fizzle out by the mid season? I already loved her because she's so fucking weird. Like, I don't know if she knows this is on TV, you know, like she's just saying she's just like a robot, like sociopath. It seems (laughs) Um, I don't know that we're going to get the same kind of drama out of her that we get from the other ladies, but I do get a kick out of how quirky she is. I think we're going to get a like Charlie of Vanderpump, not understanding what pasta 
the is moment from Kathy on Beverly Hills this season. I think we're going to get some weird, spectacular, goofy lines from her because she does seem very off the cuff and very, <laughs> very goofy. I weird. love that this the clip that was released for this upcoming this week's upcoming episode of Beverly Hills is her and Dorit shotgunning martinis. Yes, like just that is downing martinis. And Dorit's like, yeah, let's do it. And then she killed two of them. And then she's like, all right, are we going to all do one now? And they all My type of woman. I will do that. I love martinis. I drink them way too fast. I'm watching Kathy Hilton just like drink it like it's water. I mean, even Lisa Renna was like, these bitches are hardcore. <laughs> but, you know, I love a martini, so. Uh, do you think Lisa Renna is the true villain of Beverly Hills or the faux villain and that she's really just the face that falls on the sword? I have a theory that certain housewives on each series who have been there for a long time are phantom producers. Like I thought Bethany Frankel was a producer on the show, an uncredited producer. She was. That was part of her contract when she returned to the show was she had to have some sort of producer contribution. I thought I read that somewhere, but then we could never like prove it. Okay, great. Well, good for me. Um, (laughs) I feel like Lisa is gunning for that. She is always clearly trying to create the storylines that the producers want to happen, especially like look at her whole relationship with Denise. She just like exploded that for what? Obviously for something out of the show. Lisa Renna is putting her kids and their dating lives on the show against their will. Like this bitch is doing God's work. I think she is the real villain. I think she's the fake villain. I think she's very integral to that show. Yeah. Has A-Rod seen Madison's boobs? FaceTime yeah. photo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, not even a question. Not even a second to think about. It. Next no. question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many years do we have before we see Jen Shaw locked up behind bars? How long does prosecution usually take? Two years? Yeah, like a year and a half, two years. And then, yeah, that bitch is going to be in an orange jumpsuit right there. Do you think Bravo is going to film when she gets out, or do you think Bravo cuts ties with her once she actually gets convicted? Cuts ties, probably. I don't think we're going to, like, hold up filming for her the way that we did for Teresa, but maybe she could rejoin when she's out. Yeah. I don't think they would. I mean, they've gotten heat for also, and Brian Moylan talked about this on our podcast, sort of like glorifying her Teresa committing crimes and what Jen Shaw has done already off the bat is far more intentional um, than what Teresa got in hot water for. So I don't think Bravo is going to film it. Right. Yeah, I think I agree with that. What do you think is the juiciest part of of Brian's book that you found just personally fascinating? There's a, a like a like we'll never cast list. Like Heather Locklear is on it. Um, yeah, yeah, forever also, no list. Yeah, Lori yeah. Loughlin is on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, who is the woman? She was uh, one of the Desperate Housewives. Um, and she's like everybody's ex-wife. She dated Harry Oh, Nicola Sheridan. Nicola Sheridan. Yeah, she's like a big one that everybody's always asking for. And they're like, she's not doing it. She's not doing it. 
Uh, Brian's book also gets into money in a really fascinating way. It talks about how the trips are paid for, how the housewives are paid, like just kind of like where the money goes and who's getting what, like all these questions I've had when watching, but never had answered. He gets into the nitty gritty of it. I also, and this is not that juicy, but I was shocked to see that they got Shannon Bedour from a casting call at the fucking like Orange County mall. Really? Yeah. It's so crazy to me that like, it's not embarrassing for her to do that, but I feel like she would be embarrassed by that information being Coming available. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's hilarious. I would have yeah. never guessed that. I know. She also got cast after telling because they were like, it's really hard to when you interview people, see who's putting on something that feels inauthentic to be kind of crazy in front of camera and like who are, are you capturing in a really genuine way that is just a crazy person? And in her initial interview, Shannon just started to tell a story about how she got in a fight with a stranger at a medieval times. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, great. You here's a job. Like you, this is, this is the life that you lead, whether or not Bravo cameras are there. And that's, that's perfect for us. <laughs> so Brian has a competing book that's coming out by Dave Quinn, who writes for mm. people that's coming out conveniently the weekend of BravoCon. And in in, oh. in Brian's interview with you guys, he talks about how Bravo wanted 10% of the proceeds and then they cock blocked him. Dave Quinn, I believe, gave them the 10% and was not cock blocked, which is why his and it's actually being released with Andy Cohen's imprint at the publisher. So how juicy on a scale of one to 10 compared to Ryan to Brian's book. Do you think this Dave Quinn book is actually going to be competition breeds greatness, right? So now that we have this one book, they know they're going to have to bring it to, to make it compete with that other book. So I, I have higher hopes for the, for the Bravo book now, knowing that Brian already like dug around in their dirty laundry um, what do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I bet there's going to be, listen, I'm going to read both. Um, <laughs> I am going to read everything all the time. I think that there is probably going to be some really spectacular insider, like sensational sort of headlines. Like this book has this really juicy behind the scenes moment that this one housewife opened up to yada, yada. But I also think it's going to be a little Bravo propaganda E and in that, in just if one was to read it, to read it through that lens. And it, I think it's still probably going to be juicy, but I would, I don't know if it's going to be as good of a or authentic of a tell all in terms of how the, how the, the whatever is made. What's the saying? Yeah. How the sausage yeah. is made. How, the sausage um, is made. how could I forget? Bethany Brian does not. I mean, it's kind of one of those things too. I, when I was reading his book, it was a little like, don't meet your heroes because it's like, you don't want to feel bad about being such a huge fan of this process that be, can be a little bit nasty, but it is fascinating to see how it's actually done. I agree. Thank you ladies for coming on the show. Where can people listen to your podcast and give you guys a follow on the socials? They can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's Table Flipping with Alyssa and Taylor. And on Instagram, we're at Table Flipping Podcast. Uh, and then I'm at Taylor Mishak, M-I-S-I-A-K. And I'm at Alyssa Littman on Twitter. Um, and we release every Friday at noon. And I we recap a bunch of different shows. Fridays at noon, table flipping. You're going to want to listen to it because it's juicy. 
They spill the tea, <laughs> they flip the tables, and it's a good one. I was listening to it this morning, and you need to check out the Brian interview. I feel like I need to get paid because I've been pushing his book so much these past go- yeah. it's just so this is the first time we've ever had a non-Bravo like behind the curtain look at housewives, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Bravo's and, it feel, and it's it's so dense. It's so much. There's like so much to know. So yeah, it's it's really it's a gift, as I said. <laughs> Well, he's going to need to start giving me like a cut of these proceeds. He's going to need to give True. me that 10% with how much I'm You get the 10%. I get the 10%. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach and follow the show at No Filter with Zach. Get my new No Filter Housewives Watching Wine on sale June 10th at nofilterwine.com. Thank you guys for joining me this week and spilling the tea and talking about Madison LaCroix's boobs. It was a fun time. <laughs> Cheers. Anytime. Cheers to that. Thank you, guys. Please leave both podcasts a five-star review because we love that validation. So please validate Mm -hmm. us. That's why we do podcasts. Okay, bye.